0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to part two of our episode with Commander Barris. This episode went a lot longer than we expected, but we probably should have expected it with so many flight hours. There's a lot to talk about. So welcome back and have fun. Sir, so going back a little bit, um, you
1: mentioned some of the rash, the Class A's that, that the Coast Guard had. Uh, I think that was 2008, 2012 time frame. Yep. Um what was the, what was the vibe in aviation culture during that, that time? And do you feel like we had a good response to that? And then to kind of even make this a longer question, like, where do you think we are now and what do you think we need to be paying attention to? That's a great, great question. I probably could talk for, for a while on that.
2: Um, and I think everyone has their own opinion, but um, I can just tell you from my, you know, my personal experience. So un- unfortunately or fortunately or however you want to look at it, um, you know i was kind of a bookend on, on those two mishaps so i was in uh barbers for the 6505 which was our first uh, fatal uh lost the whole crew probably since the humboldt mishaps if i'm right i might might be wrong historically speaking but it, w- it was a good stretch of time and then unfortunately i was here when uh, i was actually supposed to be flying that night when uh the five went out um so kind of bookended both you know and and kind of lived through those those i call in the dark days um but I can tell you um, the the oral history and the and the, um, the impact of those mishaps, if you weren't in during that time, you don't have the understanding, you know. And, and I don't want anyone to have to have that understanding, but you just don't have it, right? We can share the stories, try to talk about it, um, but you just don't understand, you know, for example. So when I came in, you know, Humboldt had just had their two uh, bad mishaps, um, you know, within like a three-year stretch. Uh, knew about them, you know. Knew it was not a good thing. Knew some good good uh, changes came out of it. Um, you know, kind of knew where the no cautions and warnings were in the in the dash one that that came out of that. You know, rattle bug was one of the uses, right? They used to just park, like, I think, fifteen feet for the free falls, and you know, we started using the uh, the rattle bug much more aggressively. So s- stuff like that. Um, but I can tell you, um, it wasn't a cowboy mentality, but it was a, a invisibility. Um, we were just Coast guards and we were good. And we, and we could do this stuff, you know. So I remember pretty much all my SAR cases in, in Port Angeles was a was a sense of confidence that maybe was a little overextended than it should have been. You know, I don't have any crazy stories to come back and point my finger at, but uh, always never had a doubt that, that we were coming home. Um, and then kind of to fit into that, that and this is me speaking from my personal experience, kind of fitting into that mentality, that legend um, uh the uh, Kodiak had the 60, you get uh, the water intrusion mm-hmm. uh, in the hover from the Sondang IU. Um, tragic, right? Lost, uh, I believe, six survivors. But all four of those Coasties came walking out like cowboys, larger than life, right? You know, so again, kind of filling into that invincibility, you know, type, type thing, which should have been a big, big uh, flashing light at, at, at us, but we, we didn't pick up on it. And that's a whole nother case story. That you about uh, Swiss cheese and all that good stuff, but um, you know that, that should have been a, a big, big uh, flashing amber light for us. So, yeah, so fast forward, you know, told a bunch of Kodiak stories, and I find myself in uh, in Barbers Point taking uh, IMac out for his first uh, shipboard deployment. <laughs> Dave Mac, right? Speaking so of technology, thank God for him. Yeah. Um, I, I think my hearing was going back then. We we're actually two hundred miles south of the big island um i don't think we did workups back then but we're getting somebody qualified um so we're out there doing the box pattern and dave hears the the uh the uh umib you know crystal clear i'm hard of hearing so i don't really hear it but it's basically i know 6505 uh you know in the water blah 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 right And so dave uh reacts accordingly right and appropriately as a human would um i'm like no oh, no they're saying they're looking for somebody in the water, right? And then seconds later, hey, you know, whatever number we're in, 6528, you know, uh, land immediately, shut down, you know, that whole thing. And I'm still living in a, in a world of uh, naivete, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe th- thinking different stuff. So I, I go through the night, they turn the cutter around, steaming up to take part of the search. And the next morning I wake uh, I wake up and the XO says, they recovered three, Right meaning three 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 people i immediately think survivors right i'm still thinking yeah. cowboys people are walking out you know and he literally asked me on the wardroom and says no i'm not talking about we recovered the people you know the bodies we haven't they're not alive you know yeah and, and that's when it, that's when it hit me like holy cow this is this is uh surreal you know so that's uh that's kind of kind of those like i said four-year period you know and then of yep. course we had the C one thirty out of out of Sacramento that had a bunch of guys from barbers on there you know a handful of guys that that uh, you know I didn't know well but but I worked with right that made it all too real um, yeah so we we went through that um, started focusing on aviation a little bit right I, I still love the ASAP messes I have no idea what ASAP means but I know it's you look at the importance could, you think we could get
1: it aviation um, something something. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay, we'll have to do some research. Sorry yeah. about that, Ryan. Can yeah. you make a note? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great message,
2: uh, and and you know, it's about. I, I remember the term honoring your profession, right? Um, and 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 what does that look like? And again, uh, every arm of Coast Guard aviation was trying to fix the mishap problem. Seven Eleven, every unit ops boss, every unit CO, ATC you know, and I think all those efforts were, were, were good, right? We had to do that. Um, You know, again, I talked about how I I got lucky with some of my assignments, you know, hey, maybe we need operators, leading operators, you know, that type of stuff. Um, You know, and I agree, you need professional officers also to, to do the air station stuff too. So there's a balance there. So I'm not encouraging anybody out there that's listening to this to, to to do it the barest way. Right. Um, You know, but if you want uh, career longevity, you got to balance those things um, appropriately. And really just, you know, I think what I took away from it was uh, holding the standards, assessing risk, and then when, like like Ryan, when you were saying, when you're in the aircraft, you got to be in the aircraft, right? And then, you know, this is hard, easier said than done, but if you feel like you can't be in the aircraft, you got to raise your hand and let somebody know, right? And here, and here we are, right? We just, uh, we just marked uh, 10 years since we lost the, no, lost a three, five, not too many months ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you throw COVID vaccine, political and strife maintenance, maintenance parts, echo upgrades, you know, switching over a bunch of units to sixties, you know, all that stuff. You start adding that massive up. change in yeah.
1: all of Coast Guard aviation. Yeah. Yeah. H to J 60 did the tango swapping, you know, there's a lot of change in aviation culture and, Every time there's change, uh, there's risk associated with that change. And yeah.
0: I would recommend anybody that hasn't revisited the three five App message to revisit that because it's a little bit sobering to put it in today's context. Some of the lines in there directly correlate to what we're going through right now as a community. And that's not me trying to like be, oh, we're going to we're going to do something badly. But just it's important to realize where we are as a community and to focus on focus on that stuff again, too. Yeah. Because you were going through a transition back then as well. Yeah, I mean, you've heard me say this too. I mean, there are no new mishaps, right?
2: There, there really aren't. We, we, we've done it uh, over time, but it, the important part is making them real to the current generation of flyers, right? So, yeah.
0: yeah. How do you think we're doing now? I mean, I'm concerned. From an operator perspective. I'm, I'm concerned. Really? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I feel like we're, the uh, the hairs on the back of my neck is been sticking up quite a bit.
0: Yep. Yeah. Can you... Just elaborate on that a little bit more. Well, I think
2: it goes back to to those distractions, right? So uh, I think the, I mean, I remember doing Spanish flu training back in the last century, 1999, <laughs> for the Coast Guard. Think, what am I doing this for? This is stupid. And those questions were hard. You know, I'm, I didn't I didn't leverage technology and make myself an answer key, which I should have. But <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm getting my butt kicked by this uh, GMT every year of the Spanish flu, and I could give to you, you know, what you know, like what what am I doing? But here it is, right? I never in a you know again denial right naivete never in a million years thought that you know, I didn't know what a global pandemic was but but here we are and we have yet to realize the impact on our society right and and regardless of where you stand on any of these issues this is a is a big scar it's going to define define this generation you know and hopefully it'll be for the better right and and they'll call this generation moving moving forward something special um, and the, and they'll make the most of it. But um, yeah, so many distractions right now, right? And and I also see the Coast Guard moving back, that pendulum moving back to more of a professional officer than than an operator. And again, I'm not against professional officers. You know, I I love those guys that have, you know, their three degrees and one of them being the War College, and we need those guys to lead the organization. But maybe they don't need to be ops. Maybe they should be XO. Right? There's other places to, to to move uh, those type of people forward. You know. We're not going to change the, the air station structure, the promotion structure, but we can be smart about who we're putting where,
0: you know, chief pilot being a chief pilot kind of mentality. Yeah. You know,
2: uh, another humble story. I remember having two good aviators. It was, (laughs) this didn't get put in my OER, but I thought it was a great thing. So believe it or not, in, uh, in July, apparently there are some storms that show up in the Pacific in July. And I believe this was the second year I was there. So it was 2015 and I called it the big blow. <laughs> that's the part that making not the OER.
1: <laughs> but the big blow came. Was it, and- the, it was in your draft out the
2: chain? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, but uh, one of those professional officers, that's a little smarter than I is, actually fixed it for <laughs> me. Um, but uh, yeah, so two guys, uh, two, two different sail, sailing vessels are, are coming out of the uh, straight to Wanda Fuca, right? Out of the Washington area and they turn left. And they're whatever twenty fifty miles offshore, going down to where San Francisco and New Mexico, and uh, they get caught in the in the big blow. And uh, I'm going to get this story wrong, but the first one I believe is a elderly husband wife. I, I shouldn't call them elderly because I'm probably getting close to their age, but uh, in their early 60s, um, batting down the hatchet. They're pretty capable mariners, but their rudder falls off. I don't know, I'm even sure what causes the rudder to fall off, but the rudder something oh, bad, yeah. And so they're bobbing around. We got calm scheduled with them. We're keeping track of them. All this good stuff. Um, well, the other the other sailing boat was just bought by a bunch of Great Lakes sailors. A uh, guy with his brother in law co owners, and then the then the wife was the was the glue, right? The married the married the sister type thing. Well, the 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 wife doesn't swim, which is a great idea, right? But uh, so they're off uh, getting the schnappied out I, mean, I think they end up getting demasted on one of them or something like that. But anyway, so I got the crew back at, uh, back at Humboldt and uh, the Great Lake Great Lake Sailors went off and they went off now. Um, maybe not in as much dist- distress as we thought, but, but seasick and all this other stuff. Um, so that we launched the crew out. Um, it's pinky time. And I think as they're going out to the Great Lake Sailors, the um, mom and pop on the uh, uh, boat that loses a rudder actually calls distress. So we divert them over and take a look. And we, uh, we pull those guys off first and bring them back. Well, the Great Lakes sailors still want to come off the boat, but it's nighttime and it's 25 foot seas. Right. And I got a, a motivated group of, uh, of aviators and I'm taking ops calls. Right. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go back out. I'm like, no, like go, go, go find the ladies' chair, go find the bed, go to sleep. I'll send you out in the morning. Do you go first light? It's like, well, we're not going to sleep anyway. anyways. Like, I know you're not. I said, but you're going to be, you know, feet up, resting, and so, uh, long story short, they ended up launching, getting out there right at first light, and uh, getting those three guys off the off the boat. The one that doesn't swim, they both came back and said, "Wow, um, that was so much. That was difficult during the daytime. I can't imagine doing it at night." Right? Yeah. Now, I am not saying that a that a uh, guy with a one tour um, under his belt that becomes osbos boss would would have that type of insight, but you know, I certainly did. Right? I am like, no, you are not. You are not going. So, I, th- I think that's the kind of stuff that operators uh lend to being the chief pilot. Yeah. yeah, you know, because we're all type A, want to go get it done. You know, and that's that risk assessment that just I you can't put it on paper, but you just intuitively know, right? You know it when
0: you see it. And yep. It's a like hair on the back of your neck. Yep. That you were talking about. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So, that's my two cents. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have I've I've
1: I think we can agree though. I mean, we're not we're not going to stop flying. We're no. not going to stop standing no. the watch. Um like what what can we say to, you know, first or aircraft
0: commanders who are who are getting less time less experience um what can we do better because you mentioned an organizational change yeah what can we do better yeah so if the
2: organization is not going to change or support you right because that's what it's going to come down to right we're, we're going to build another memorial and then we're going to focus on it right you know uh, good on some of these overtasked um air stations putting out good safety messages Right. Again, uh, I go back to my uh, 60 20 accident up in, in Kodiak, the Saul and in, uh, That was a big uh, amber flashing light. Um, I mean, I think that's the most recent mishap out of uh, Atlantic City, you know, the 88 pounds. I mean, that, that is a great flashing light. I don't know what the answer is uh, to that, but, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, wow, if we look back and, you know, having it mishap in six months from now and look back, it's like, ah, we, we knew this was coming. Right. We should never have that feeling like, oh, yeah, I knew this was coming. It was just a matter of time. So what do we say to the first tour aviators? I I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, They don't have the experience to have that that hair in the back of their neck standing up. They have to go out and do it to learn that experience. So how do we bracket them to gain that experience, to have that
1: intuitive um, knowledge, right? Um, Yeah, it could fall on, you know, some of this more second, third tour guys that are floating around wardrooms. Yeah um to, to speak up when you see something you yep. don't agree with or don't yep. say like hey I, this ain't right yeah. and at least start a conversation
2: yeah and you know it's the it's the uh hopefully it's the salty ops the salty safety officer the the uh you know twice three times passed over 04 that has tons of flight experience right uh be intrusive you know talk to those guys um you know, they, they don't know what they don't know, right? Um, I mean, that's the best, best I can do. You. you know, the other thing is I tell guys, focus on this flight right now. That's the only thing you can do. Focus on this flight right now. Make sure you're doing it right. Weather, NOTAMs, uh, maintenance, you know, all that stuff. How's, how's your crew doing? I mean, I'm guilty of that. How many times have we overlooked our crew? And if we would have asked one or two more questions of that rescue swimmer, we would have known that, hey, maybe tonight's not his night, right? Right. Um, again, where's that balance? I can't tell you that. You know,
1: um, it sounds so cliche, like, hey, just make sure you stay in the books and you're ready for every single flight. But I I think it really does come back to that is that is one thing you have 100 percent control of is are you ready for this flight right now? Whether it's a a training flight in day VMC conditions or that nighttime SAR case where it's right in the middle of the circadian rhythm and the weather is terrible
0: and you're going to do a high risk mission. Yeah, I mean, this ain't no hobby, you know? Yeah. I mean, we do this as a job and for a living and we enjoy it and we roast each other all the time and we'll go on a flight that's a beach cruise, but yeah, I mean, it's not a hobby. You got to be ready for it and you have to take it seriously.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and, you, and you talk about like how hard it is, how much courage it takes as a first tour aviator to say, not today, not this crew, not this mission, right? And that that does take a lot of effort, right? Now you got to rack and restack uh, skeds, right? Aops is all pissed off because he has to figure out the the new duty schedule, right? But let me tell you, being there, you know, I have vivid memories of walking on a beach in Hawaii and looking at little tiny orange pieces of helicopter, picking them up with pinching them because they're so small, putting them in a bag so the public wouldn't get them. Yeah. That was a lot of work. It took, you know, any 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 unit will take a year to recover from a, from a mishap. Yeah. Especially a fatal mishap. So it's not work. It's not work to, uh, you know, to do that again. I wish I could tell you, here's a playbook, do it this way. And I would be a big liar if I told you I never flew when I probably shouldn't have been flying. Yeah. Th- those are, those are two absolute true, true statements I made. But again.
1: Yeah. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Anything from, right. from the, you know, operator side to the, to the leadership side. And sometimes you're faced with uh, two, two bad decisions here. And we, we got to pick one, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. Yeah, shifting gears a little bit. Uh, right before we started uh, the podcast, there was a story of a Lieutenant Ben Walton in a, a walk back from the galley. Yeah. Is that is that true? That story? Can you go ahead and dive into that a little bit? I believe there's video evidence of that, but I, but I'm unable to to locate it.
0: Dude, Ryan, we've got to find this. We do. We've got to find this video. There are a couple videos that we're looking for for him. I heard something about a cake and a Mardi Gras ball. <laughs> there, is no uh, evidence, there is no evidence that, that, that exists that for, for memory. And that, and that was great.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know what Ben's reputation is nowadays. I, I assume as the as the man in charge uh, after a very successful um, aviation career in the, in the Coast Guard that, that people would probably uh, not question his judgment um, or his ability to be swayed <laughs> But uh, th- th- there may have been times where he uh, he lacked better judgment. Uh, but uh, we're having some fun in-, in the branch, and I can't remember which character dared him. But there was a little crawdaddy in the uh, in the washout uh, area where the bridge is over, and uh, kind of got double dog dared to uh, do something with the crawdad that involved uh, him <laughs> latching onto a uh, uh, body part above the. Above the belt, we'll say. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> a uh, sensitive body
1: part about Yeah. The belt. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the worst <laughs> kind, but
2: yeah, pretty, pretty funny. So, okay. You know, that, that's the other part about, you know, full circle on, on this conversation. You know, look for those opportunities to have fun too, right? You know, that that'll, that'll, that'll bond everybody. But yeah. Ben, Ben was, uh, and always has been a, a great part of the, uh, the ATC family here. Um, and yeah, we, we had some fun. We had a, you know, that couple dark days too. Right. But, but getting through, getting through those dark days is, is being, being family. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we had some fun. um,
0: <laughs> some but, eating challenges yeah, and the yeah, division was, was a different place back then. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Friday food challenge or Thursday food challenge. I think it probably was Friday, but yeah, they would, they would dare each other, uh, there in the bullpen, uh, the the maze I had over here from from my corner office, um, you know, tucked back in the corner, and uh, yeah, the ones that, that stand out is uh, Chris Grooms uh, was dared to eat fifty chicken McDonald chicken nuggets in like five minutes, and he crushed it like in two minutes, like not even phased. No way, yeah, fifty nugs <laughs> in yeah. like two minutes. Yeah. He had five minutes to do it. Um, the other one, this was a fail, I think. Uh, uh, Nevinil— uh, it was either a pound sticker bar from Christmas. Ooh. Or was it a two pound <laughs> sticker uh-huh. bar? Yeah. Uh, carved that up like uh like a like a Thanksgiving turkey and yeah, he barely even got got, got halfway through yeah. and, and tapped out. But the probably one you guys are probably most interested in is your current XO. So yeah, back back then, uh, just like all of us, maybe just slightly a little bit thinner, not not saying that anyone <laughs> is is having problems, <laughs> but uh but he uh <laughs> <laughs> Young Jack, uh, I don't know how he found himself in this predicament, but somebody uh, uh, challenged him to uh, a baker's dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts, and I can't remember what the time frame was—a pretty large time frame, like thirty minutes. But let's just say he probably wasn't used to eating sugar, and um, yeah, I think he—I think he met the challenge. Thirteen uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, he was sitting there in his chair trying to be productive. You just see the beads of sweat just start (laughs) coming down his face, and probably the fail of uh, failure leadership on my part is that he was still on the flight schedule uh, that afternoon, and I believe we had to had to call Mrs. Souters to uh, pick him up. I think if I remember the story right, (laughs) because he he was not metabolizing the uh, the sugar very well. But uh, yeah, and we had a fun to replace. He was rendered
1: incapacitated. He was
2: so um, story there. Like have fun, but maybe maybe not when you're on the flight schedule. Okay, so uh, that was one rule that I implemented.
1: So. Yeah, we started doing some stuff uh, back in my cutter days of, yeah, it would be, you know, how many Butterfingers could you eat in 10 minutes? I think yep. seven is the record, by the way, <laughs> if you, anyone wants to try to beat it. The full bar. The full bar. Okay. Um, it is a difficult, difficult challenge. But the worst of all of them um, was the party-sized bag of Cheetos. The Your stomach can handle it, but it's just how how are you willing to sacrifice the top of your mouth? Cause it would be it, like, there would be blood uh, coming out. Yeah. Um, and it, it got out of hand uh, when it got to the, we were going to attempt three pounds of peanut butter and oh the HSC God. caught wind of it and was like, hey, that's actually not smart. Like, you could actually have some digestional <laughs> issues, and that's <laughs> not what we want when we're 2,000 miles off the, you know, coast of Colombia or whatever it was. Some so, air
0: crews getting an LLC yeah, from medevacking. Creating you. <laughs> your <own> medevac <laughs> yeah, so
1: we actually, we went healthy, and it would be like, hey, how many lemons could you eat, rind and all? How many onions? And, Ugh. you know, these are all oh. stuff that was, you know, you could find in the galley. So. Yeah, the extra <laughs> stuff. You know, you'd be back there talking, like, Hey, psst, FS, FS3, like, hey, can I get seven onions, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. 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 That's that good, clean fun, right? That's, yeah. That's good stuff. Some yeah. of this
0: stuff, though, like, it's, to draw it a little bit back, just when you were XO in Humboldt, uh, I remember a day, and this just kind of stuck with me because we were trying to set up a hail and farewell or a group wardrobe morale event or something like that, and you pulled me aside one day, and you're like, hey, when is Jayco DeMaio? I was like, what? He's like, when, when's that party that all the JOs are trying to have on the schedule? And I'm like, it's this day. And you're like, okay, good. We won't have the morale event that day. And it was just super little. I breezed right past it. Didn't even think about it. But in hindsight, I look back on that and I'm like, man, you were just kind of preserving the JO." It was our day away. We had all sniffed for the day. We'd put a couple of FEB guys on the duty schedule because we had finagled it. I think some of the command's cadre were on the duty schedule the next day or two so that we could all go have a good time. And you'd preserve that day for us. And that was a cool little shout out to our camaraderie as the wardroom, knowing that you were part of the command and couldn't take part anymore. But it was like just something little like that always stuck with me. Yeah. So.
2: No, that's true. And uh, yeah, I mean... You know, the awareness goes, goes, uh, you know, for, for our, our line of work, right? All throughout the air station, right? So, what where are the chiefs up to? What, what are the, what's the hangar deck up to? You know, how, how do you include the, the support staff and all that stuff? Just kind of having that. And it goes back, you know, I'm not that religious a man, but the golden rule, right? Treat others as you'd want to be treated, right? So, I mean, shoot, I, I'd be a jail right now if they'd still let me. You know, <laughs> I guess I kind of am. Right, you're the best yeah. as you can be. <laughs> Do you
0: join in on the patio beer like afternoons? You probably could. I, yeah, you know? yeah, Humboldt's got a long tradition of those. Yeah, to pass uh, only patio beers. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to pass uh, <laughs> that
2: through the through the special unit. she I probably, probably approve, but I'm still raising that last kid, so <laughs> got one more in the house, and then uh,
1: then probably probably can double back for that. But um, what's yeah, on no, the, what's on the horizon? For the Bears family. Oh man,
2: we're not we're not going down that road.
1: Okay. Yeah. Danger. Um, <laughs> on <a> later
2: date. <laughs> no, it, it'll it'll be aviation. Absolutely aviation. There. Okay. Um. Yeah. So uh, uh, weather's, uh continued with the Coast Guard, fantastic. If if it's not, um, you know, probably rotor room for a couple of years, and and then we'll see. But okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah.
2: So yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I think you guys have heard me tell the story too, right? So some wise man told me. Uh, when I was probably about uh, where you're at, uh, Ryan, in your career. Uh, Hey, it goes quick. At some point, you are going to be retirement eligible. Around the 15-year mark, go take one of those TAPS courses, which is called something else now. And I said, okay, why? And I don't remember why the reason was. But I found myself at about 15 years here at ATC, and I uh, took a TAPS course, right? And I've seen some of my my peers go off, um, you know, flew a great career, and then up at headquarters at acquisition and they're loving it they actually liked it right and they're getting their other professional um certifications all this stuff I'm like that's pretty smart they're gonna be set up after the coast guard right um so uh my kids were still pretty little at the time we had three of them um you know I say about kids right two two wasn't enough three was too many yeah <laughs> so so we had three in there but uh the it's wife was, if
0: you're listening <laughs> <laughs> the uh,
2: the wife was gracious enough I said this is really important Part of TAPS is a uh, personal inventory of, uh, of you and your values And what you're going to go off and do in, in your next career So she was gracious Took the kids out to the park for two hours And it wasn't that long of a survey I don't remember what it was But it was like my whole body and soul Was poured into this Like I thought about every answer And, and made it sure hey, You're not just answering this question Because you think you want to answer this way you know, so there might have been a little crying, a little yelling, you know, type of that stuff and just really, really filled out this, uh, this survey, honestly, and uh, very proud of myself. I go back the next day and I think it was old enough that they just, they ran it through a machine that read it, you know, and uh, came back and then it spit out like your top top 15 jobs. Well, I don't remember what many of the jobs are, but the number one was a commercial airline pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, getting a little to be a commercial airline pilot, but I do like flying. So that's kind of when it cemented me like I'm probably doing what I, what I supposed to be doing. Yeah.
0: Well, that's you good. Know? It's so, a validation. Yeah.
2: You know, and it kind of speaks to my, my relative happiness, right. You know, doing, doing what I'm doing. So
1: I thought you were going to say like rodeo clown or yeah, something, right. you know, yeah. Something cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll, I'll tell
2: you what, uh, you know the old COVID leave was was stacking up pretty high, so I was able to take uh, right before I came down to the uh, course a good chunk of leave. And um, I got to be honest, I I wasn't bored. So retiring, go. retiring could be my next career, I think. Right? Man, okay, yeah. So raise raise the last kid, get him out of the house, and maybe maybe retire retiring. So yeah, w- definitely wasn't uh, wasn't bored. Had had some fun. So
1: we'll are, see. Are you sold on West Coast? I'm a left coaster. Yeah. 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 yeah the yeah. right coast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Connecticut, but even four years out there, yeah, I, I'm sold.
1: Yeah. I could see you being
0: down in like Panama, though.
1: Some, <laughs> some, you know, beachside. <laughs> that, that was the, uh, that Barred. was, that was yeah. the deployment. Some bartender.
0: Just a bartender in Panama. Yeah. Like one for you, one no, for me. <laughs> no, that's too, way too much work. No, too much work.
1: <laughs> no, you just want to kind of, you know, bartender sees the empty, you know, get, once it gets below quarter, like go ahead and just. Bring bring the next one, you know. Yeah, have uh, some little little fishing boat out there, and yeah. I don't know. Maybe learn how to fix an outboard motor for people. There you go.
2: Yeah, yeah. Guys, you know. sky's, sky's the limit. Who knows? But yeah, I'm I'm uh, you know, I'm pretty deliberate in, in everything I do. Uh, so when uh, when this season ends with the with the Coast Guard, you know, I'll, I'm I'm actually looking forward to it. But I'm but I'm in no rush, if if that makes sense. So. Um, but I'm, I'm in the last year of my contract, so I'm going to enjoy it. I'm, uh, hopefully going to sneak up on that golden Finistron, which is, uh, which is kind of cool. Never thought I would even be thinking about it, but, but that's cool. And, you know, listen to to Ryan's stories and stuff like that. I I think I made an impact on a few people. You know, I don't don't know how great or or how, how little, but yeah.
1: Like I said, you you got me into aviation, so I remember... You know, as an HCO, standing on the bridge wing and watching a 65 take off and seeing this little body in the very far port, you know, portion of that 65 getting launched into space. And you're like, those guys are
0: crazy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, here here we are. Yeah. 15 years later. Tons of quotes that I think I repeated a couple of back to you. And you're yeah. like, man, I don't remember that. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, that was a core memory of mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I can repeat that for my ops bosses and my,
2: yeah. and my first, uh, my goes. first IPs. Right. And yeah. then it, it's, it, again, you know, it's that, it's that, uh, you know, I call it the little memory, memory trip in the back of your brain. Like it's just, it's just almost second nature to us now that, that we've lived it, Right. But yeah. when you're coming out of flight school, like your, you know, your, your point of reference is very small you know, so I'm glad I was able to share a few, few nuggets with you, yeah. And uh, hopefully, and again, you you would go back full circle here to how can we help out this next generation, just like the generation before has helped us out, right? Exactly. Try to try to share those stories without being the guy that's lecturing and telling all the sea stories, right? <laughs> I find myself biting my tongue quite often during the uh, during the pilot meeting, right? Because there's that fine line between you know instilling knowledge and then being a know it all, right? And, and, you know, that, again, I, I don't know what, what that point is, but everybody knows it when they see it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Here's Barris again. Yeah. Uh, he's going to tell a story about how the Alpha had a uh,
1: hamster wheel in the back and it ran the GPS, you know, or something. Yeah. Like, does he know he told this story yeah. six weeks ago? Yeah. You're like, yeah, we've all heard it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so be, be
2: careful of that, but there, there are times, you know, pick your moments and, and, and share that knowledge or, you know... Uh, hey, why is it important? And, you know, we don't do this anymore, but hey, why is it important to know which way the catch is going to turn? Well, because you see those sea cliffs right there they go up to 4,000 feet? You might want to know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, a
0: little bit of fallibility is good too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I messed this up the other day. Yeah. but I'll well,
2: shoot, that's what the echo's for now.
0: Yeah, well, true. <laughs> I did have to ask you on record whether or not you were the toenail bandit in Humboldt. Though. Yeah, I remember <laughs> uh, that. A lot of people asked me yeah. to make sure that I put that on record. Were,
2: uh, were they super curved? <laughs>
0: No, they were just big yeah. and chunky. Yeah, because I've
2: uh, uh, one of the bearish traits is uh, our big toes uh, are obnoxiously curved, which <laughs> yeah, causes okay. which causes ingrown toenails, which is tremendously painful, and they actually split right down the middle. Um, so I think I'm. I think I'm. Think I'll, I'll hook off that, but okay. I I had forgotten about that.
0: Yeah. Kenny, for your edification, uh, somebody would just leave toenails on the bed in the <laughs> duty room <laughs> in Humboldt, I and we it. could not figure it uh, out. Hopefully, whoever that was will <laughs> come, <pull>. come clean. <laughs> no, even
1: better. I think that they continually, like, they get an inside man, and they, like, mail their toenails so that oh, for the yeah. next 25 years, <laughs> it's the same person Always humble Humboldt. Did we ever <laughs> consider
2: the Skipper? Skipper stood quite a bit of duty. Do we ever consider Snyder?
0: Yep. <laughs> um we not officially considered him, but okay. maybe a couple yeah. like round tables over beers we did. <laughs> yeah, w- wouldn't that be funny? I mean <laughs> that that, great. Or,
2: or or Sabo, I think Sabo's sly enough to yeah. maybe <laughs> maybe pull that off, just kinda of go no, that would be a weight way beneath me, but yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. It caused a lot of turmoil in yeah. the J O core. Yeah. Which is good if that's what's causing turmoil. Yeah.
2: Which which was pretty cool. Um I was, I was lucky to be one of those two guys at, at, when I was ops and, and, and those, those two guys are also, uh, 65 legends. Um,
0: yeah. Would Snyder fly was a, uh, <laughs> what's that? Would Snyder fly tonight is, uh, or yeah. what would Snyder do? Yeah. And the answer is yeah. yes. So the answer's yes, always, <laughs> um,
2: but his skills were, were, our, were always the highest level. But, uh, yeah, we talked about the, you know, the, the first tour, uh, aviators and the, and uh, how, to, how to stay off the uh, the mishap monster, right? Th- those guys led from the front, right? Um, you know, Snyder probably stood two duties, hard schedule, maybe three, and then would take one or two per month. Uh, I struggled and tried to stand three to four as ops. Um, and then XO, he, he did a great job standing two, which having the XO job, doesn't matter what size unit it was, uh, I, I really respected that uh, that Ole was able to pull that off. But, um, you know, that's, that's how you know you're healthy unit. You know, you get to share stories, but also the command and control gets to know the guys a little bit better, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, learn a lot on duty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally shifting gears. We did have, you had a mishap in Humboldt with a chip light at altitude. Yeah. That's kind of become a stalwart of kind of IFR briefings for a while anyway. How was that? Do you have any like thoughts or stories on that one?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it goes back to Ben. I think Ben actually the one that said, hey, maybe you want to check more of your ECMS page. Um, yeah, I I remember doing the, the safety message, but um, my facts might be a little, I haven't looked at that in a while. But basically, yeah, we, we idled the engine up when we didn't have uh, single engine capabilities. So we should have came down about uh, 2,000 feet. Um, many lessons learned from a human factor standpoint. Um, you know, right. Uh, Super strong uh, upgrade pilot. I think we're upgrading him to aircraft commander. Um, double pumped him on the same event. I think we flopped the events. One uh, was supposed to be a day water, and then we did the instrument check back. Um, did a Todd card, but did the Todd card for four thousand feet type thing. We had a fire TFR that we we're trying to stay stay out of. Um, and yeah, probably a little little quick on uh, throwing that switch with it with a chip light and. Uh, had a 30-second um, uh, time accumulated briefly, and then we threw it down to continuous, and that's when it's like, oh, maybe we're not at the right altitude because we're at the stop, uh, the continuous stop. And and then I got on the radio and started coordinating to, to come down in the TFR that they weren't even using anyways, right? So the, the old prior prioritization of, of where you're at. Um, yeah, and then somehow, I don't take any credit for this one, but somehow coming back into the field... Um, we decided to go to OEI high and we've snuck a little more OEI high time in for the landing, but we already bought beers by then anyway. So <laughs> that was it. But yeah, so, uh, from the human factor standpoint, right. Uh, gave a lot of, um, a lot of credence, a lot of credit to the upgrading pilot, very comfortable with them. That's probably one of the curses of a small unit, right. Cause we fly with each other all the time. Um, and maybe didn't check his work, uh, as well as I should have, um, and yeah, and then uh, losing situational awareness of of the uh, single engine profile, which outside the plane was very obvious what the the right answer was.
1: But yeah, I didn't I didn't know that was you actually. Yeah, I talk about that in my thirty seven ten brief. Yeah. just about every time yeah. of you know, at least for the sixty five community, Todd card is on almost every syllabus card we ever ever do. And, you know, you're out in Humboldt, and 99.99% of the time, you know how the aircraft's going to react. It's between 55 and 60 degrees, and you're at sea level. Yep. Until you're at 7,000 feet, and it's still 80 degrees because it's the middle of summer, um, that might not be a bad time to know what happens when you're IFR, and you need to single up an engine. Yep, or yeah. 10,000 feet. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> should have s- been more obvious, right?
0: And speed also. Uh, going 120 knots, the aircraft will... Start drooping pretty quick too, yeah. but it's it's just a fascinating case because it also gets into like, do you set OEI continuous or do you just leave it in high and are you trying to get yourself, me right because this is one of my I know that that's what so I love oh it, um yeah I yeah I have strong opinions about that one too like man do you just do you just over torque randomly or do you can you manage your own power yeah like oh you can manage your own power sounds good just do it
2: well how about the uh, the single engine running landing and you pull into
1: two minute power. Is that necessary? Hey, I own that aircraft at that <laughs> point, buddy. Yeah, that's my aircraft. Do I mean whatever yeah. I want. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, EO's like, "Hey, you crew
0: some." like, "Cool, yeah. sounds good, man." Thanks. So yep. that's that's Here's the only. you welcome. <laughs> that's the only
2: mishap you're able to find. There's got to be more out there.
0: Yeah, You yeah. have maybe
2: for us. Uh you remember? Well, shoot, yeah. Uh, Brian Ward going spatial D. Me, I going, was with you. Yeah. I forgot about that. Me going spatial D through the crab fleet. Yep, yep. That was Todd Cogley's last flight with me. uh, Yeah, I remember that. Was that the fire
1: one? You guys are going out to... No, these
2: were both water stuff. So uh, the first one was with... uh, Brian was doing a great job. Um, I believe he was aided. And me being the old school guy that I am, I am the last guy to flip down my goggles, especially when I have a lot of cultural lighting around. So we're working in the bay, which is, you know, smaller than working Mobile Bay. It's a pretty small little bay. So you have plenty of things to look at. And so... uh, I'm unaided. It's a, a super bright night with a big moon, and um, we have 20 foot uh, uh, breaking surf offshore, and that's why we're in the bay. And uh, And uh, Brian does his departure from the water, turns out to the right, and uh, he's on the goggles, and he picks up the breaking surf as the horizon. Yep. And I just kind of watched him as the nose goes down, and me being the safety officer, I was just fascinated, you know, 15, 20, 25, and I just, all right, I got controls, you know. And, Again, being any, any aviator that has pride, right? He's like, oh, man, that was horrible. I like, no, wasn't that bad. It was actually kind of cool to see.
0: So, <laughs> so that was that. And then- It's the uh, salty IP side of the, side yeah. of the house. Let's yeah. see how far this goes.
2: Yeah. And, well, I mean, it was sort of 22, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like 100% of loom. But then uh, again, my habit of not going goggles quickly um, uh, back when the, uh, the crap Fleet was having a pretty good year.
0: Yeah. This was with Tom Cogley, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm getting some mins done and we're running through crab fleet. Plenty of things to look at, plenty of crab pots. Working with the uh, 47 and, and things are going well. And all of a sudden we outrun the crab fleet, which is within a certain miles from the uh, from the coastline. And now I'm out in the dark and I probably want the goggles down, but, you know, they're not. And I noticed the boat starts running away from me. I was like, all right, that's not good. You know, and I start kind, of, kind of start getting that. Minor spatial D feeling. Hey, Tom. Tom, what do you got? What do you got to look over there? Over, over there, he's like nothing. <laughs> so what do you mean nothing? Like, yeah, got nothing. I said, like, can I give you the controls? He's like, no, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm still in aided. So um, now the now the 47 is no longer a boat, but a but a light. Um, so I start catching up with the boat, and all of a sudden the light becomes a very big 47. So the closure rate was was obnoxious. Luckily, the um, flight mech had the basket. Uh, up at the hoist boom, um, rigged, ready to go, and uh, I just transitioned to a ito. Came back around as soon as I turned back towards land and saw saw the cultural lighting. And I recaged. You know, we actually had the winds were right enough that we had the forty seven turn back around. Did a quick risk assessment. Decided we could continue to train, but yeah, that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, the one with the breaking surf, I briefed that one for my the night illusions on the SAR checks a lot because. I don't get you. Yeah. Just looking at the wrong thing by accident. You have no idea.
2: And again, coming back to there are no new mishaps in the Coast Guard, right? And uh, I always thought and I always tried and I failed. And once again, as as branch chief, um, I would like to see the Talon have the back page as a note, note caution or warnings. Hey, where did this note caution or warning come from? You know, we all kind of know the fatal mishaps. They're pretty well well talked about. But again, the, the oral history of the 65 community goes back uh, a long ways. Um, you know, there's a mythical, uh, mishap I heard about when I was a brand new nugget of a brand out down in Baja. I had 65 out of San Diego, went down there and was landing to this, uh, LZ they made with a bunch of, uh, 55 gallon oil drums lit up, went down there and ended up on his side, right? I'm sure there's all sorts of no cautionary warnings and lessons learned, but you know, that's... Living, I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah. It's living I've in some archive down in the middle of old headquarters and it probably got thrown out when they m- moved to the new headquarters, right? So, um... Safety. So, wait, for, what was that? It was a sixty-five that rolled over on landing. Doing what? Uh, down in Baja, some type of medevac. Oh, so I
1: can't wow. remember.
2: I can't remember if they took somebody off a cruise ship and they were meeting a C-130 and doing a transfer. Uh, again, this is all second, third hand. Some old salty dude was yeah. telling me it's a brand new. You know, oh, yeah, you never heard about the six-five-nine blah 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 that rolled over in Baja. No, you know, there's so many of those mishaps, right? Wow. Like even the 65 going back to the. Uh, I'm sorry, the O-five. Um, when I listen to young people try to brief what that was, you're not even close to what happened, right? Yeah, you know, and, and that's just because we we need to keep keep those those lessons learned.
0: Yeah, keep it alive. And yeah. Keep learning so, from it effectively.
1: I and mean, there's a lot of people here that are unfamiliar with the the three yeah. five incident. They have no idea. Yeah, yeah. So I right uh, here in the backyard. What was I? I was a. I
2: think I was up in. Um, I don't remember. I was Hawaii. Um, brand new IP. Telling people to fly the Charlie like a Bravo, right? And uh, ATC was there, and uh, a good friend of mine, Mark Grabowski, Grubby. I don't know if you guys remember Grubby, but uh, he kind of had heard enough, like from the JOs, like yeah, Bears just tells me to fly like a Bravo, blah blah. And Mark's like, hey Kevin, how many guys do you think in the world that's actually flown Bravos? <laughs> and he's like, probably seventy five percent of the fleet hasn't even seen a Bravo. Stop, <laughs> yeah. stop saying that. I'm like,
1: all right, Touche. Good point. Yeah, you know, so. Ryan, when it, did you fly a Charlie? No.
0: I, uh, had the Charlie dash one that was like bastardized into a Delta dash one, okay. Yeah. but no, I was full Delta. Yeah. My, yeah had to date myself properly in terms of the dash one. I did my T course actually flipping the training switch for min speeds. Yep. And then about a year in Humboldt, they changed that.
2: Hey, you want to hear the story behind that one? Have you guys ever heard the story behind that one? No. no? That was under my watch. I was the one that killed the, the training switch. Up uh, in speed. So, Sanborn, if you're listening, sorry.
0: <laughs> um, There's some strong opinions on this one going around. No, there here. is. And, and it's, it's probably, crazy. and again,
2: the, the oral history of our community yeah, is probably, passwordizes it a little it, bit. It's probably important to share, right? So, th- there is no right answer, right? Um, New Orleans had a hard landing. They, they totally just had a brain fart. That one was explained. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Um, and then we, we being ATC, the center of excellence, had uh, two IPs on a flight. And uh, one of the excellent IPs decided to flip the switch for a min speed at 100 feet over the approach end of Trent Lott Airport, landing to the south. I think that's what caught us off guard was the amount of droop of the safety feature. So any knucklehead that's in the front seat as the ground rushes up to them, pulls collector, right? And so when you're pulling collector between 365 and 320, again, not real good with math, but your velocity squared is going to increase your rate of ascent, which makes the no-cut up front pull more, which increases the rate of ascent, right? So we went back and uh, looked at two or three of them, and it was eye-opening even to a guy like me that's been around a little while that they were looking at. I think the lowest we saw was like 280-something, 289 True. on the uh, on the uh, rotor. Um, so it took a little time for that other engine to come back up and park it at uh, 320. So we were, we were problem-solving, and— uh, I think Dave Ober and Mark Wyckoff and all the, all the Bremble Combs was probably involved all in All the it. smart guys. All the big brain guys that, that I was lucky to have around me. Uh, someone was genius enough to set up a conference call with, uh, uh, Airbus North America, uh, test pilot. So we get on this conference call and this guy, I don't even recall his name now, but he had like 12,000 hours in the helicopters. Right. And he's like, Oh yeah. So what are we doing? He's Like, all right, well tell me how you used to train switch. You know, use it pretty much any RT one, RT three, day night. That's a lot. Think how many times a flight would you use? It? I don't know, five, nine, I don't know, somewhere in there. Oh, interesting. So, well, tell me who can move this switch? Well, any aircraft commander. Well, what's an aircraft commander? Ah, you know, they're pretty sharp guys. They have like nine hundred or so hours. Usually, about an average about twelve hundred or more. Huh. A long, long pause. We're all just sitting around the conference table looking at each other like. He's like, well, I I, I understand you guys are a military organization, so um, let me tell you how we use it. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, "Um, not all aircraft that have the uh, turbo mechans in the FedEx have a training switch. The ones that do out in the fleet are safety wired, not to be used. And uh, it's me as the chief pilot of North America and two of my deputies that I've deputized that are allowed to move that training switch. That's when it dawned on us, wow. Like, do we really understand what we're doing the amount of risk we're putting that aircraft in to train that way. Again, formulate your own opinion from it. I don't think the civilian model is right for us. You know, but so that's how we kind of came up with the compromise with hey, we can move the training switch, you know, when we know what we're doing. We also up the uh, the hub, uh, high hover from 5 mm-hmm. knots to 10 knots. So, yeah, but if you want to bring back the training switch and min speed, I'll love to do. Them.
1: I'm so glad you told that story actually because um, just recently there was a uh, mishap up in Atlantic City. Where they flip the training switch, I don't know the details. Um, doesn't matter for this story. They flip the training switch. Uh, they realized they're not in a good spot. And what do you do? You put it. You put it back to flight, and you over torque and you lick your wounds and, and you go home. And the safety department was kind of looking at it, and they said, "Hey, why don't we do that 320 droop demo anymore?" Um, and it sparked a really good discussion, and we tied in some some folks that had some. You know experience of like hey why would we do that when will we flip it back to flight and i think what the story you just told kind of really encompasses hey that is a safety feature so that you don't fall out of the sky like a yeah. rock like your nr is still going to go down to like whatever you said it was like 289 you're, you're yeah, barely like flying yep. at, at that point so um hey if if you find yourself in that bad situation man don't don't hesitate to get yourself back back to flight and get the aircraft flying and give yourself all the power you possibly, you know, would want to get yourself out of that sticky situation. But without that, you know, story to hear what goes into that, um, it's just a, it's just a sentence in a dash one. You're like, why would, why we do that? Why we should be doing that more. Like that could have helped us that night. And you're like, man, eh. No, there were some decisions based off of events that have happened in, in our past that have said, no, that's not actually the best course of action. So yeah. that's great. I've,
0: I show people all the time in the sim, too. You can get into an LTE situation, too. Or yeah. Like Yuli, you can really mess yourself up if you're not careful.
2: Yeah, I, I would say um, the sim's maybe a little model, but it's absolutely a consideration. Yeah, uh, Captain Heigl uh, tells good stories because he was doing the uh, doing the Charlie here as uh, as a lieutenant. Uh, instructor and and did talk about that, how much right pedal, especially with a little bit of a tailwind or no winds that you'd need when you're drooping that low. Another 65 legend, Brian Hudson. Um, I guess he was the guy that brought the, did a lot of the test flying or ATC flying for the, Mm -hmm. for the Tron, I guess, um, Turbo Mecca had that thing tuned down. The safety feature was down like to minimum rotor RPM, which is like 285 or whatever it is. And he says that thing flies really sloppy at 285. Like you think 320 is crazy. yeah it's he said so he's actually was the one that recommended they tuned it up i think if, if i got the story right
1: yeah i think i also remember hudson telling a story about flying with you know some french chief pilot or whatever and he's like oh yeah this is how we do tail rotors and like he he does one and the french pilot looks over was like don't ever do that again with me in the aircraft and he's like <laughs> like wh- what do you you know it was this huge disconnect and he's like i've I've done that five times and, you know, I'm probably making stuff up, but right. it was something like, yeah, we don't do that. And he's like, we'll go out and do this 10 times and let
0: a guy with 200 hours do it. And right. he's like, yeah. you guys are insane. And yeah. back then it was like S level at the, for the T-courser to get out of the T-courser for, yeah. for that. Yeah,
2: yeah. all risk assessment stuff, right? And when's the last time we had a tail rotor?
0: Oh, I think, I think you could
1: make a good argument to say, well, why do we still do them? Yep. And when's,
2: uh, how many, how many actual engine failures have we had in the, in the, with the Turbo mechas? Yeah. I, I yeah. know of four, two are self-induced with goggles.
0: Yeah. I, we teach the, like, Inland SAR at Ahars, and we teach a, there's a mishap of some air crew doing a night canopy hoist, and they want it to be height loss above the tree line. Right? Oh, just in case yeah. they lost the lost <laughs> an engine, they want to be high loss above the trees. So now instead of doing a 120-foot hoist, they're doing a 170-foot hoist. Yeah. Well, it doesn't go well, yeah. obviously. You know, but I like to highlight just how many engines have we just randomly lost in the 65 community, especially now that Delta Delta Echo land, like we don't just randomly lose engines. Yeah. But you are significantly higher risk to the crew, the, the guy on the hook. For being that high. Now you have zero references. You are probably going to hurt someone all because you're afraid of something that isn't going to happen. Right. You Statistically, know? you're Statistically way speaking. more likely to get spatial disorientation and screw that up than yeah. you are to lose an
1: engine and crash into the trees. We
0: have hurt more people than the aircraft has hurt more people. That's a Kenny yeah. quote. Absolutely.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, awesome. Thank you so much, uh, for spending the, uh, afternoon with us here. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. You got any uh, parting stories that you want to tell? Oh, man. Make fun of Ryan for anything?
0: I mean, you did my right seat skills after all the other IPs (laughs) that want to do with me. So,
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyone listening to this, uh, if you ever had an IP that's done your right seat skills, you probably should uh, thank them again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So um, as much as I love flying and aviation, I still do right seat skills, syllabus flights. But if I had a choice not to, (laughs) <laughs> I probably would, that's probably the only one at, at my, uh, um, ripe age, uh, that, that I probably look back, but you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So crawl, walk, run, that whole good thing. And, and again, it's a, it's a noble skill to have, but yeah, if, if, uh, if you're in the right skill syllabus and you think your IP is going to help you, yeah, probably not getting a whole lot of help.
1: So, yeah, that night boat, I was yeah. like, I always laughed. Yeah. I was like, hey, what's your defensive posture for that? Like, oh, I got one hand on my heat's bottle and the other on the Jettison <laughs> <power, laughs> baby. <laughs> I'm out. You know, like, I'm going to steal gonna, that from you. That's great. Yeah. They're like, you know, hey, if things start going bad, don't just assume to take controls because I might think we're crashing. I might already be gone, actually. <laughs> yeah. You know?
2: And, and with my sense of humor, I always say that. So uh, when else have you ever gone seventeen degrees nose up in the in the sixty <laughs> five? Why did you think night boat was a good idea you to start doing that? Was the yeah the bright time? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's yeah. So yeah. Th- thank your IP, and I, I certainly think of the uh, the uh, the IPs that trained me. Right, anytime I get frustrated with my my young pilots, I always think, wow, these guys are ten times better than I was. So yeah, Every, everyone can uh, not everyone, but most people can learn, and, and uh, it's so worthy the investment, especially looking at you over there, Ryan. Oh, thank you. Mr. Salty. Man, <laughs> my, my nuggets are salty now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I still wouldn't call myself that, but no. okay. <laughs> that's good. You're a good aviator and you're humble
2: just like me, right? The, the perfect flight. There's no such thing.
0: So, yeah. Well,
1: we normally like to end the show with um, giving you a chance to give a piece of advice, whether it's aviation or just, uh, you know, fatherhood, something like that. You've already given us, uh, tons of salty nuggets, um, to, to chew on, but, uh, anything else, any parting shots? Um, you know, I, I, you guys have given
2: me this opportunity and I I was kind of thinking over the last couple of months, but, um, really it's gotta be fun. And I'm I'm glad I had an opportunity to talk to you guys because it sounds like you're, you guys are still having fun, right? Maybe not quite the same kind of fun that I remember, but, but, but strive for enjoying what you do, um remember who you were before you came into aviation remember how you looked at guys that fly like like kenny's stories about watching watching a shiny uh, orange helicopter fly around right and if you ever feel like this is no longer fun like just reconsider what what you're doing and, and what what's happened right think of the young the young person that that uh, yearned to do what we get to do every day right um and and, and go back and find that and, and that goes for your crews too right no, nobody in the Coast Guard signs up for the Coast Guard um, to come in and not have a good experience, you know. So there is a, a true, noble, and righteous cause to our mission. And uh, we as leaders have failed if uh, if our members no longer uh, feel that importance anymore. So
1: Yeah, I think I, I need to take that one yeah. to heart, both just, same, you know, making sure you're in the books and then just that little bit of leadership and ignite that flame sometimes of like, yeah, if you can watch a 65 or a 60, I guess, even a fixed wing, you know, fly by and not stop and yeah, s- look, look over at it and just admire, like, yeah. that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, we,
2: we went through a pretty uh, pretty long dry spell at Humboldt uh, recently of no SAR alarms. And uh, I can't tell you how fired up I got when I heard the first whoopee go off after a long drought. I mean, that doesn't get your blood pressure going even if you're not on duty anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if you're in the right profession. I mean, yeah.
0: I just yeah. get fired up. I love it. Go back to Houston, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah, cool. You got anything else, Ryan? We got nothing. Thank you. Appreciate mm-hmm. it.